y'all were used to that for a while, but I, I'm, I'm not, I can't do that. I don't walk back and forth like that. That's not my thing. Everybody has their own thing, right? And I'm sure some of you probably have went home and mimicked some of my things, right? I'm, that, I know that's had to have happened. You know, hey, look at Brother Toby, you know, whatever it is that I do. Um, but that's, that's fun. We all, we all have our own thing. Um, so every now and again, I like, to, I like to come down from there and be right here. Mom Betty can hear me very well from right here, right? So that's, that's a good thing. Um, I, see, I see an empty spot or two today. And to be honest with you, I mean, that encourages me. Now, why would that encourage me? Huh? Why would it, though? Why would that be encouraging? Why is that? When you look and you see some empty spots and you're like, hmm. Maybe they're out sharing. I didn't think of that. So that's a good way to look at it. Maybe they're out sharing, right? What's another way to look at it? They're fishing for men, right? People being reached, maybe. That's what I'm thinking, right? When I see empty spots, I'm thinking, look at all the space we have. For us to bring in folks to worship with us, right? Isn't that encouraging? We don't have to worry about breaking down the walls and like adding on. We got space. When you mean when they're gone? Yeah, they're not. <laughs> we can lie and tell ourselves that, but they're not. And people say that too. You know, I can worship God in a deer stand just like I can here. Yeah, you can, but you're not. So just go ahead and call them out on that. You know you're not. Uh, <laughs> trust me, I've, I've missed before. And uh, when I'm deer hunting, I'm deer hunting, all right? I might be reading scripture, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about killing something. Praying for deer, that's right. Looking up every three seconds thinking that squirrel's a deer. You guys know how it is. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25 through 32. Today we're going to finish out Ephesians chapter 4. And this is kind of wrapping it all up. And you'll see on the screen it says driving it home. And we've talked about for the last three weeks, this is the fourth week in Ephesians. Paul's giving some encouragement to the church. We've talked about unity. We've talked about equipping the church. Um, and Paul is really showing the church, hey, we're different now. We are changed from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're a body of people. Can you hear me good over there? I want to neglect you. Because, I mean, she's blessed to have me at home. And anytime she wants to, it's like, hey, a free sermon, right? Hey, and she says, Brother Toby, can you give me a sermon? I said, I'd love to. She doesn't ever do that, so. (laughs) She can hear me well. Okay. And so, wrapping it up um, in Ephesians chapter 4, let's go ahead and read that. And I'll be reading out of the NIV, and my study notes are most likely the New American Standard. So whatever Bible you have, just follow along best you can. So in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, he says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Have you guys heard that before? Don't let the sun go down. I had to learn that lesson the hard way when we got married. 
Do not let the devil get a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do the work. Toil on. Doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not any, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving each other, just as Christ, or in Christ, God forgave you. Father, we're thankful for this word today. Lord, I pray that we might be encouraged and um, ready to do the work that you have for us. And Father, if, if we have any of these in our lives that we might read scripture and go, you know, I'm born again believer and um, I, don't, I don't need to be doing these things. Uh, I'm convicted and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn away from that. Father, I pray that that might happen today. I pray that as we read scripture and we read things like this and we, uh, in, in uh, the end of Ephesians 4 and along on the outline, uh, that we may have family members who, who claim to be Christians and they consistently do these things. Lord, I pray that we would have the, uh, the boldness to confront them and say, you know, you, you claim to be a follower of Christ. Uh, you, you claim to be a brother or a sister, and, and here you do. Um, you, you need to repent from this. You need to turn away from this. Uh, we're not supposed to consistently act this way. Uh, Father, uh, we're so thankful that your word transforms us. And uh, Lord, help us to be in the Word so we can know what it says whenever we are talking with people about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you'll see on the top of your outline, it says that Paul drives home the point he was making in the previous passage. So in, in that passage, he taught how a Christian should walk, how a Christian, how their life should be, right? We had unity, and then we have that the believers should be equipped, and then therefore they walk a certain way. Okay, so and here he reminds believers that some of their actions need to need to stop. You know, you're different, right? You don't you don't do these things anymore. And since they've been re renewed in Christ, their actions need to be renewed as well, right? It makes sense, right? Right, and that's why we when we talk to people and we might have an empty spot in the church, and people will say, "Well, I can't go and be with a bunch of hypocrites," right? They act this way. You guys have all heard this. I don't know if, if you've not heard this. Right, go, to, go get out, right? <laughs> get out of your house. Go to Walmart and invite somebody, and you'll eventually hear that. Well, I don't want to go where the hypocrites are. Well, and it's funny, and I've said this to people before, and they've never responded what I thought was a good response. They'll say, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites there. And I'll say, well, you, you keep going to Walmart, right? They say there's a there's a little smiley face, or they're a happy place to be, but how, how many of you go to Walmart and you get angry, right? Right? Everybody, and what do we do? We keep going to Walmart, right? Yeah, what? Every time, right? So we want, we, we want to throw out the hypocrite thing when it fits, right, when it, when it works. So, um, you know, we're not going to get satisfied every time we go there, but they've got what we need, and so we're going to go. But it just shows where folks' heart is, really. And they can say, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites. Well, my goodness, you go to your family reunion every other year, right? Is there not a bunch of hypocrites? You guys know, 
You've been to those things. Uh, <laughs> oh, we go to we go to I'm not going to say what side it is or anything but we go to one every now and again and we were invited this year and I was like do we really have to will they <laughs> will anybody say where are they and if they do does it matter no is what I heard in my head no and I was like oh okay I don't have to go so We went last year, so we're good. We're good for about four or five years. So the first thing we'll see is falsehoods. The first thing we'll look at is falsehoods in our scripture today. And you'll see that in verse 25 right there. And I like what the New Living Translation, who has the New Living Translation today? Who's using that today? I know there's somebody, Amber's got, you've got a New Living Translation today? What does that one say on verse 25? Stop telling lies, right? It says it pretty plain-like. And if you were reading the Greek manuscript, it's, that's how it would read. Quit your lying mouth, right? And they clean it up for us and say, hey, don't tell falsehoods. But it really says, stop telling lies, okay? And we, we understand that. You know, we're country folks. Stop telling lies means what? Quit telling lies, <laughs> right? Stop, stop it, right? So you're saying these lies, now, now stop it. Okay, you're, you're a Christian, stop that thing. He says in Zechariah, we're going to pull out some Old Testament prophets right here, okay? Zechariah chapter 8 and 16 through 17 says, these are the things which you should do. And I learned when I was, um, is that what I think it is? Yes, it is, okay. Y'all hear that? that? It's the alarm in the office that goes off when it wants to. It's not really, nothing's wrong, but it just like goes off. So, and I learned when I was working, I was going to seminary, and I worked for the school district at a um, like special needs preschool. And so, the, one of the things they said is, is when you're talking with a kid, when you're correcting these, these special needs kids, is, is you're not to say, don't do this. Don't do this. Start with the, don't say the negative. Because what they hear is, do this. They hear the very end, do this. And for us, that's, that's odd. It's a little different. When we hear somebody say, don't do this, we go, okay, I got you. I'm not going to do that thing. So that reminded me here in Zechariah, these are the things you should do, right? Here's what we should be doing. Speak to one another. Speak truth to one another. Okay, that kind of makes a lot of sense, right? Here's, do this. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Also, let none of you dis, uh, devise evil in your heart against another and do not love perjury for all... These are what I hate, declares the Lord. What is perjury? What is that? It's lying, and it's lying on purpose. Like when you go to court and they, and they charge you with perjury, not only have you lied, but you've done it dis- purposely being deceptive. And we don't see that in the news, do we? Like some, one of our folks is up getting deposed, and they lie. It doesn't happen. So we have to like look at our examples, right? And you go to the county courthouse and things like that and for perjury. This is what he's talking, he's talking about the heart. In today's, today's sermon, we're going to see all these lessons. They're not just these external things. They're all things of the heart. It's not just that you lied. It's that you lied on purpose to deceive. So he says, put away all falsehood. Not only does the Lord hate lying, 
but it tangles us up. Those who have the habit of lying, sometimes they forget what they said. Do you guys ever know like a habitual liar? Can when you when you when you talk to him, you're like, I don't know if what you know. I really don't know. And so what you do is this: you just bob your head up and down and pray that the conversation will be as short as possible because you ain't listening, right? Because they're a liar. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. We get all up in it, right? It's kind of like that lady who calls here about once a month asking for help or whatever. She gives me a different name every single time. There's always a different cancer at their house. There's always some food, electricity, something. You know, a bulldozer went through their front door and the operator stole all their money. You know, and you're like, well, that's a new one. At least you did that, right? And I'll, I'll ask her, hey, do you know this person? Oh, you know, no. You know, it's lies every single time. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. Our Christian walk, it's an everyday type of thing. Endure. Run with endurance. This idea of laying aside falsehoods, this isn't something that we do now that we're Christians. This, this literally means cease doing what you are accustomed to doing. This is what he is literally saying right here. Cease doing what you're accustomed to doing. Now, well, I'm not really a habitual liar or anything. Well, you know what? When you are apart from Christ, you're an enemy of God. You're, you're a sinner at nature. The Bible is pretty plain about that, right? We're accustomed to living that sinful life, and so we come to Christ, and he says, hey, put that off, right? You're a new creation, Jesus in John chapter 3, what phrase does he use with Nicodemus? You are what? You're born again. Well, how can one be born again, right? How can you go in your mother's womb and be born again? He's thinking physical right here. No, we're born again, and we're born by the Spirit. We were talking in Sunday school this morning, and, um, and Tyler was sharing about his testimony. And uh, when he came to Christ and was in your truck, on the way to work, he said, I, was, I felt differently. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, there should be some sort of change. And that change should say, hey, Tyler, when you're lying maybe to get out of doing something or you go home and tell Amanda whatever she wants to hear, because we don't do that, do we? You know, we know what women want to hear, and so we just tell them. The Holy Spirit says, hey, stop that. And then as Christians, we have to fight off that old nature, you know what, I was doing this, and I have to stop doing that. Now, some people have that miraculous change to where they all of a sudden stop doing whatever it is, right? But I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think that's 100% normal. Like when that Holy Spirit comes and say you're doing whatever. We'll talk about falsehoods, lying. So you're a Christian now. I think you might lie like you were doing, but the difference is, is the Holy Spirit would say, hey, remember, and then you go, and instead of like, keep going with that, you might say, hey, I, I just told you a lie. What I said wasn't right. And I got I to gotta say that because I can't. It's not me. This is not, the new me is this, right? 
And so our heart is different. Even though we might do those same sins that we were doing, our heart has changed in such a way where we might rectify that. Or we might say, I said this and there's no way I can fix it today, but tomorrow and from now I'm going to try to do a little better. God, give me strength to do a little better. The second thing that he talks about here in Ephesians 4, 26 or 26 is anger. Paul quotes from Psalm 4, 4. He says, tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Now, the word for anger right here is the word that you really would think about. It's really being angry. And he says, be anger and, and don't sin. Now, sometimes anger is avoidable, right? We get angry. Jesus got angry, did he not? When did Jesus get angry? Do you guys remember? He was in the temple, right? He made up a cord out of, or a whip out of some cords, and he went to flipping tables, you know, and, and slashing at the monies and all that. He was going nuts, right? Could you imagine that on YouTube? Like, it'd have all kind of hits. He says, be angry and don't sin. Well, how do we do that? Well, how, do, how do we do that? That's when somebody cuts you off real quick and you really think you're going to get run off the road and you get that rush, right? We get the car, we get the car courage. We'll, we'll do things and say things in the car that if you were to ever get out and confront somebody, you'd go, hey, no big deal. <laughs> hey, man, it's cool. It's, it's no problem, right? But in the car, we're like, we're banging our fists and, you know, we're saying words that mom doesn't need to hear. Um, what he's saying here is, hey, it's, you can be angry, but don't let it turn into sin. Don't let it turn into sin. <sighs> hey, I'm fine, right? I didn't get run off the road. He probably didn't see me. We were in the church van yesterday. This is why I hate driving the church van because it's got the church name on it, and I'm driving, right? So <laughs> you do something dumb, you're in the church van, and the pastor's driving, so we're turning, and somebody says, oh, if you take a left right here, it's quicker to go, and then you take another left. Okay, so I get, and I'm taking a left. Well, I didn't see that there was a car right there going to take a left, too, and I was in the wrong lane. And, you know, I might have just run all over them, uh, but they watched, they saw me, um, and I was thinking, oh, me, you know, there's no telling what they said. You know, there's that church van, whatever. And right here, we see in the, in the original language, the, the word anger is, is written in an imperative. Get angry. Be angry. You're going to be angry. right? It's going to happen. It will. But do not sin. Do not sin in your anger. Matthew 5.22 says this. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before Court. And he's talking about the unjustified anger when you're, taking it, when, you're, when you're taking it too far. And he says this about it. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Remember, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Right? And this is where we let it take control of ourselves. This is where we let it define our lives. And it's inappropriate, is what Paul's telling the church. Deuteronomy 25.13 is saying this, You shall not have in your bag two differing weights, a large and a small. 
what they would do back then is they would travel somewhere and they would put on their um, Under Armour backpack and they would have two measures in the backpack and they would do some business with somebody. And if I was doing business with Joetta and we're friends and, um, and I say, well, let me measure that. I get out the weights that are standard. They're the good ones that everybody accepts. And we go on our way. Well, I meet somebody that I don't really know and I'll never see again. And I'm going to bring out the other weights. Right? When I worked in the grocery store and I was in the meat department and we put the meat up on the, on the scale and it would spit out the price tag, that foam tray has something called a, there's a tear on that. So if it weighs so much, you have to take that legally, you can't sell that tray. So automatically, when you type up chuck roast, it automatically comes up negative 0.05. And it's, it's compensating for the tray and the wrap because you can't sell that. And so you put the meat in it, and it says what it does. If the weights and measures man came in, in your store too, they'd be in big trouble. There's a huge fine for that. It's bad. Um, and so it's the same thing here. He's, it's talking about a heart issue. It's not that I'm trying to get a le- little extra cash, because he, was, he worked to get that extra weight, right? He worked to get the counterfeit weight. It's a heart thing. I'm okay with me and Joetta doing right business. But over here, I'll never see him again. It's a heart issue. Anger. In short, do the right thing. Stealing. If you are stealing from people and you became born again, quit stealing. Right? Is that, how hard is that? Right? Well, brother, we don't steal. Yeah, we do. We steal all the time. You know what the most common thing for Christians to steal is? Especially working Christians. Your employer's time. Your employer. When you go to work, work! Right? Do you know that guy who shows up and they're supposed to be there at 8 a.m. and they get there at 8, right? They clock in at 8. Well, go get me a cup of coffee, right? Make the... Oh, oh it's out. I'm going to make a coffee now. So by the time they make coffee... Drink a cup or two, right? Now i got to get a donut because you can't have a coffee without a donut. Oops, my shoes are untied. And, you know, it's 845, right? Well, I don't make 15 bucks an hour. You've stolen like $10, right? Work. Do something while you're there. When you're on break, clock out, and you're on break, right? But when you're working, work. It used to drive me nuts when I'd see my employees and I'd see, you know, I'd see this. What does this mean? Means Facebook. That's the that's the sign language for Facebook, right there, right here. And I'd see this right there, and they see me coming, and then they do this, right? You're you're only doing that because you're guilty, right? You're stealing, and Christians are terrible about this. We're not going to go steal a pack, a pack of juicy fruit from the store, but we're, we don't think anything about stealing from our employer with our time. We will steal from our employers. Now check out this. Paul says about believers who won't work. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, he is not to eat either. Now, this is the second time he said this. He was with them. And he said, now, believers, if, if you're not working, you're not going to eat. Right? He said it to their face. And now he's saying it again. And I said this in the van on the way back from the uh, walk yesterday. 
we help out hope to all. We give canned goods and all that. And I think that's awesome. But to be honest with you, I really think there are some people who need to go hungry for a little bit. It would go a long ways for them to go, oh, I'm hungry. I need to do something about this, right? Because some people can work. Some people can go out and get some kind of job, right? I don't know, something. Hunger is a powerful motivator. It is a very, now, don't hear me wrong. Brother Toby said we shouldn't be feeding people, right? Folks should go hungry. Did I say that? No, okay? You can use anything else against me today, but not that, okay? You know how big of a supporter we are of Hope to All. We want to feed those kids. Those kids that go to school, we have a lot of kids who go to school who do not, they, they eat what they get at school, right? But Paul's saying, believer, you are, you are wrecking your testimony by going and saying, hey, I, I know you, I've been to your house. I know you, what you fix, right? I'm just going to come over there every day, right? She wouldn't be out of bounds to say, Toby, go to your own. I know what you're doing. I'd love to have you here, right? We eat good and all that. But I know what you're doing. Go, get, go to work, right? I talked to a guy a couple of years ago, and he said, I'm working. And I said, well, how much are you working? He said, I'm working 40 hours. Now, what I wanted to say was, and don't take this wrong way, but I remember the last time I worked 40 hours, and I had a lot of time, right? If you're hurting and you're working 40 hours, guess how much you got to work then? 60, right? And that's fine. That's fine. And if somebody needs help after that, we will help them. You must labor. Labor implies hard work, toil. Struggle. When's the last time you went to work and you came home refreshed? <laughs> right? You were clean, you smelled nice, and your wife was like, oh, you smell good. <laughs> right? Got to kiss on you a little bit. That, that doesn't happen? No. Work is hard. People are rude. Your boss, your boss has bad breath. Right? And then you come home and you're tired. That's why they call it work and not fun. Hey, I'm going to fun today, right? Go eat my peanut butter cups and take my shoes off and spin in a chair. Woo! Right? Who does that at work besides me? Who? Did somebody say they're daddy? Tori, is that what you do at work? <laughs> Wow. You know what? When you ask rhetorical questions, you should just be ready for whatever, right? And then just go with it. That's what my daddy does. <laughs> and you know what he's saying right here? When you go to work, it's not just about taking care of you. You get to take care of someone else too. And that really is a blessing. It really is a blessing to be able to go to work and to know that you worked while you were at work, you did your job, you got paid, and you saw Mr. FICA and all the, they got theirs, right? Because we want to take care of those folks. And then we get to come and take care of someone else. We can buy them corn, we can buy them green beans, we can take care of the gap ministry, we can, whatever it is. And I don't know about you, but last night I gave a little money to the deer steak thing, and that felt good. That felt good. Whenever we have, we have a, a Lottie Moon coming up, 
And all of these videos this year are awesome. They are absolutely awesome. Lottie Moon uh, Ministry will go and give money to those missionaries. That feels good to work extra and say, you know what, I, I have a sacrifice for these missionaries who are doing something that I can't do or that I don't feel called to do. That is awesome. With our work, we can do this. (laughs) <laughs> I forgot about that. Paul says, hey, I've got a novel idea. Go get yourself a job so you can not only take care of yourself, but others too. Can you imagine Paul saying that? I can't. He was pretty blunt, right? Hey, I, I got a fun idea. Why don't you go get yourself a job, right? And then they go, oh, Paul's mean. Potty mouth. The Holman Christian standard says foul language. The potty mouth. I am absolutely surprised. Little surprises me. But this kind of does. It doesn't, but it kind of does. On people who profess to be Christians, and then you hear their mouth. It's not just like something slipped. You guys, and that happens, right? It, you, you say something and you go, ooh, <laughs> you know, that, was, that wasn't very nice. But just like the, the, the foulness. And it's from the heart. It's not like, you know, they're just like saying a couple things. It's really, it's really foul. You have friends like this. You have family members like this who profess to be Christians, and their mouth is absolutely potty mouth. Now, I don't tell people I'm a pastor a lot, but here's where I bring it out. When I hear the potty mouth on non-believers, I don't say a word. I, I can't, let them talk like that because I want them to be themselves, Right? I don't want them to put up a wall. I want to be able to actually minister to them. A Christian, when I hear a self-professing Christian with the potty mouth, I'll listen to them and then I'll say, hey, that's, that's cool. Uh, I got to go right now. I got to leave. I got a sermon to get ready for for Sunday. And then they'll go, uh, you got to what? Yeah, I pastor Concord, so I've got to go do that. And then just the look on their face is absolutely priceless. right? You don't have to say anything. You just have to say, hey, I'm, I'm a pastor. And, and then they go, ooh, potty mouth. Paul reminds believers to use words that build up believers. Not the kind of things that sting and hurt. And I'm not talking about if you hit your thumb with the hammer and something comes out, right? Or if Tyler sees a wasp and he's running in circles, right? And he's saying, you know, I don't know what he says. Uh, I think he just goes, ah, like that. Um, we're not, it's, it's the heart stuff, right? When somebody makes you mad and you go off on them. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on somebody. Whenever I hear that, I hear, you know, let's act like believers. We don't have to go off on somebody. Let, maybe, hey, that, that hurt my feelings, and I didn't like that. Right? That's fine. That's fine. The word for unwholesome here literally means decay. It literally means decay. Unwholesome. Decaying words. So we've got the bottom right there. The word for edification in this verse literally means to build up. So he's using a compare and a contrast right here. Don't use words that decay. Don't use words that build, tear down, right? Use words that build up. We want to edify. And if we say a word, we might, hey, man, I just hit my finger. You know, I don't normally talk like that. And we have different definitions of potty mouth. Everybody has a, we all have words that we use that someone else doesn't use. So hear me on that. We're not going to be like 
legalists about what the potty mouth words are, but what we are going to be legalists about is how our heart is. When you say something that might not be offensive to somebody, you know how your heart feels. And if your heart feels ugly, it was an unwholesome word, right? And he says he wants us to use edifying words for this. What I want to do today is I want to stop right here, and I want to pick on the rest of these. We'll have grieving the spirit, being nasty. We'll do that next week, because I think if I don't stop right now, we'll stay until about 1.45. And if we do that, I might kill Dave. No, I'm not making lunch, so I'm a, you know, we'll, we'll pick up next week on that. We don't want Dave to die. He doesn't have his boost. You need to carry a holster for boost right there. <laughs> he can have another holster right there on his boost. Ready to go. The belt cup holder. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have the belt cup holder. We'll have it on As Seen on TV, and I will be a multimillionaire. The belt cup holder. No? Not a good idea? They, they already have that? Okay. <laughs> Let me close with, with this today. We're going over these, these negatives and these things because Paul's saying, hey, you are a new creation. You're different. Let me encourage you today. If your life exemplifies, if you're a believer, if you say, I know I've been born again, but I, I do some of those things maybe too much, right? Maybe my heart is not exactly where it needs to be. You might say, God... Convict me of some of these. Uh, I know I, I, use, I use the potty mouth when other people aren't around. Maybe a little, I, I tell off-color jokes, whatever it is. Help me with that. Help me with this. Help me, help me to, maybe the white lies, right? Uh, one of the famous evangelists, he uses the law on people, and he's, he takes them through the commandments, and one of the commandments is, thou shalt not lie. And he says, so what do you call somebody who tells lies? Liar. It makes it real, doesn't it? A white lie is a lie, therefore you are a liar. And we don't want to be that. We don't want to be that as Christians. So if, we, if in your heart today there are some of those that you need to work on that we've went through, Father, help me to work on these this week. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I have no change about me. This is the way I live. This is the way I go. Or I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to do the best that I can do. The Bible says that we're going to fall short, that we will fall short. On the day of judgment, he's going to look at us, and it's not going to be, you know, the, the scales that we have in our backpack. It's not going to be the way like that. It'll be like this, right? Here we are right here, guilty. And we were talking about the severity of hell this morning in Sunday school a little bit. We don't realize it's forever. It's really bad. If we really believed that hell was as bad as it was, we would, don't you think we would run around the streets screaming people and telling them, please don't, please don't do this. Please come to Christ. Please come to Christ. So if you're here today, maybe you've been faking it for a while. You've heard that fake it till you make it. Let's make it today. Okay? Come to Christ so we aren't separated from him forever and ever. And it's not just that separation. It is actual burning. It is actual worms. It is actual pain, death, and suffering. Christ gives us life, and he gives us life abundant. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who is separate from you, they know they've sinned, for them to turn towards you, to repent of those sins, to believe that you are the perfect sacrifice, 
that you sacrificed yourself for them and for them to receive you as Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit will come in their life immediately change them and they can become a new creation in you and you will begin to work on their lives. Lord, I thank you for Concord Church. We're thankful for the opportunities of serving you and bringing people to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.